everybody, welcome to Talkings of Sens. We're here on episode three of season two, recording today on uh, October 18th, uh, 2020. This should go up either today or, or the next day, which can be the 19th. You'll know eventually. <laughs> and um, throw some uh, introductions here. There's I've got me, we've got uh, um, Alex, and our guest today is none other than Brandon Mackey. Go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, Brandon Mackey here, staff writer for Silver7Sends.com. I host a little podcast of my own called Internal Budget. Uh, most of my free time is dedicated to ranting and raving about the Ottawa Senators. So I appreciate you having me on to facilitate such ramblings. Glad to have you aboard. If, if you're a Sense fan, then Silver Sense is much must, must read. I love, it's like my, my favorite thing to read, so. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks, guys. I read your articles whenever I see them through my feed because I don't really spend much time scrolling websites now. But whenever I see your articles, I do read them. And too and kind. Too kind. I do listen to your podcasts whenever I'm driving, whenever I'm at work. I soon, whenever I can, I listen to your podcasts. Honestly, uh, your podcast is probably one of my most listened to podcasts. It's definitely on my, on my list there. And it's really great to have you on there, man. Oh, boy. So much flattery, like I'm, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> thank you. No, no, no. Seriously though, thank you. I, I do appreciate it, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. Awesome. With that, with that being said, let's get right, get right into business. So let's start off with uh, talking about the um, since last up uh, since the last podcast, lots have happened. Like for example, the Senators have signed a bunch of players. Well, they've resigned, they've resigned a couple of players, and then they signed a big fish in free agency, Evgeny Dadanov. We signed him to a three-year, a three-year contract at five million dollar AAV. I'm not too sure exactly how our contract breaks down, but I'm gonna ask you guys your thoughts. Brandon, go ahead. It's great. Uh, you know, I, I was kind of racking my brain and trying to think of the last time that the Senators got a true top-of-the-line free agent in, in in that year's class. I think the last one was probably Clark MacArthur. And people don't really remember that because it was around the same time that Alfie left and it, uh, that overshadowed everything. So for the fan base, it's great. Uh, it's something to be excited about. This team on paper was not looking so hot, especially on the right wing uh, before the Dadanov signing. So that gives them a bona fide top six presence. It's a guy that's going to just light it up on the first power play unit. So it's, it's something, it's an offensive touch that they really needed. Uh, but on a deeper level than that, this is a guy who had, I think it was Bruce Garriock said he had three teams to choose from in the end and he ended up choosing Ottawa. So for a guy to go from, you know, Miami sunrise, Florida uh, to not only leave Florida for Ottawa, but to actually, actually choose the senators given their situation right now and their perception on the market, that's a big deal. That's not insignificant. And it's going to communicate to other free agents that this is an okay place to play, uh, that it's an attractive place to play. And if the senators want to build a competitive hockey team, they are going to, in, to need to attract those types of players. So guys like Matt Murray uh, inking long, longer term in Ottawa, guys like Dadnov signing three-year deals in Ottawa, that's big for the rebuild and it's going to be big for the team going forward. Great thoughts. And I'm going to pass it over to Alex if you'd like to add something there before I give my two cents on it. 
Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm still kind of pinching myself about that one. I uh, was scrolling through Twitter and I I seen that like Sanders' uh, Twitter account tweeted out the sign of getting data off, and I had to take a double look to make it wasn't make sure it wasn't like a, a parody account or anything. But I mean, what a signing! Like, it, the, the, like uh, Brandon meant, mentioned the fact that he he chose the Sanders out of the ten teams that were interested in him, kind of you know made me pause a bit and be like, hmm, maybe there is a plan. Maybe they actually do have a plan. And maybe like they sold Dadanov on that plan, and maybe we should like I should take a step back and kind of yeah. So I I I I don't really know what to say. I'm still kind of in shock about it to be honest. It's a, a huge free agent that's signed to the Senators. You don't see that much very often. Even Brandon met like Brandon mentioned the last one was Clark MacArthur, and even then it was like he wasn't wasn't he wasn't as big. He, he became big because he performed well, but he wasn't like a like a, like a superstar. I would say like Dadanov, you know. Three three years, twenty five goals a year. So I mean, it's a pretty pretty big significance and a huge shout out to Pierre Dorian for getting that done. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, I think uh, bringing Dadanov in, in is honestly a, a mind blower and uh, mind blowing situation. It's great to have him aboard. I don't really know how we were able to convince him to join, but I'm very glad to have him aboard. It he definitely provides that uh, better present presence. And I'm a, I'm a big uh, believer in when you're rebuilding, you have to have people to help the rebuild. You have to have, you have, to have quality players to teach the young guys. And I think Dadanov is exactly that. He can definitely swing into a, um, an offensive leading role. And you can also possibly jump into a leadership role, maybe a assistant captain or something like that, or help in the locker room. You never know. And um, a little back to uh, what Brandon was mentioning uh, with the signing of Brad Clark McCarthy. We signed Clark McCarthy back in the 2013 offseason, if I remember correctly. And um, he ended up playing um, three, uh, four, uh, four seasons with Buffalo before moving on to Atlanta at the trade deadline, I think it was. Then he played Toronto for three years. And in the offseason, we signed him to the four or five million dollar contract or whatever, whatever it was. Or we signed him to a couple contracts. That's what it was. And he ended up playing two full years for us. He was great for us in those two full years. But obviously, we know what happened with the concussion situations, which honestly really sucks. But yeah, Clark McCarthy was, to my memory at least, the, the, uh, the most recent other than that and of uh, quote-unquote star. If you will. Like, McCarthy wasn't necessarily a big star in the NHL. But he was like that fringe first line player, if you ask me. Like he was really, really good when he was playing. And it seems yeah, to be, yeah, yeah. His his underlying metrics were phenomenal. Uh, that that was a big reason why a lot of the advanced stats people in, in Ottawa were very excited about landing him. And he was uh, he was a good contributor offensively too. Uh, I think if anything, his production may have been a victim of the uh, construction of those Senators teams at the time. Uh, he only really got one year with Jason Spezza. Uh, from there, the Senators never really had a bona fide number one center. When he finally did get healthy and he did, uh, you know, actually get to play some games, uh, especially in the 2017 playoffs, he was able to contribute. Um, so, yeah, I, I think MacArthur is probably the best comparison. He is, a, a, I would say, a much different type of player than Evgeny, Evgeny Dadanov is. But uh, regardless, it, it's, a, it's a reason to be excited for Sens fans in, in a year where 
you know, I don't know how much excitement there was going to be. This team looked like it was going to lose a lot of games and it, and it still probably will lose a lot of games. Uh, but it's a boost to a young lineup that is going to need some offensive production and to a fan base that is going to need some reasons to care at times. Uh, so I, I think he's the perfect guy to bring into the fold here. Yeah, that's a great, uh, great mentioning. I think uh, the data now signing is great for the franchise. And um, while I think there's a good chance he might play the three, the full three years with us, honestly, worse comes to worse. What might happen is in that third year, if Ottawa isn't contending yet, we could probably trade him out for assets, asset management, right? And um, enough on Dadanov. Uh, before, before I move on, I'm going to ask you guys, what do you think? What are your predictions for Dadanov this year? I think he's going to score uh, 20 to 25 goals and around 50-ish points. Yeah, I think he'll hit the. Tw- I think he'll hit 25 goals again. Uh, there's no reason to believe he won't. Um, I think 25 to 30 goals is probably a reasonable estimate. I think, you know, he could hit 60 points. Um, who knows? Uh, you know, we don't know what the season's going to look like, right? We don't know how many games they're going to play. We don't know what who they're going to play. There's been rumors of, of an all-Canadian division. So maybe the Sens are playing, you know, Montreal and Toronto like eight times, eight times this year each. Uh, so it, it is tough to say, but given his level of consistency that he's shown throughout his career, uh, given the fact that he's going to be playing some serious minutes on the power play, likely minutes with guys like Brady Kachuk and Thomas Shabbat and uh, Tim Stutzla, uh, I really do believe that he's going to light it up this year. I think he's going to hit probably his normal level of points. Uh, I would guess somewhere between the 25 to 30 goal range for sure. Yeah, I'm pretty much on board with everything there. Uh, 25 goals, probably maybe a bit more. Um, around 50 to 60 points. I don't see why he can't hit there. I know some people are just some people in the comments were saying you know, Barkov and Hoffman were a big part of his point production. But I mean, it it like he's he's a skilled player. He plays top line for the Russian national team when he when he can. So uh, it's not. I want to say those two guys that helped him there. But I think 50 to 60 points is very reasonable. Yeah, I think that now I can definitely provide that uh, that uh, presence there. Anyways, let's go on to a couple other signings. Uh, Nick Paul re-signed with the Senators, and it is his first, if I remember correctly, his first one-way deal in the NHL. He signed a two-year uh, deal with a uh, $1.35 million annual uh, average value. I don't necessarily know the, how exact, exactly the contract breaks down, but he basically, I think, um, I'll give my thoughts here, I think... Uh, this cements that he will play in the NHL this year. I think he finally breaks the mold and finally makes it the NHL full-time. He's definitely had um, some time in the past here and there for injury reasons or for roster plugging situations when we were trading a lot of guys away. But I think he finally gets that full-time look now. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they're signing him to a one-way deal to have him play in Belleville, right? Uh, I think they, they recognize that Nick Paul is an NHL player. I, I think more than anything, he doesn't have anything else to prove playing for Belleville. Uh, I think at, at, at this point, Nick Paul is what he is. And what he is, is maybe not that, you know, skilled top six point scoring forward, but he's a really good contributor in the bottom six. He's a guy that can play the left wing. He's a guy that can play center, take face-offs. He's big, he's physical. He's really good in terms of puck possession. He's got a wicked shot, as we've seen. He has one of the hardest shots in the league. 
so Nick Paul to me is going to be a guy who provides some defensive stability in tough minutes, but also is going to be able to help with some secondary scoring, especially if you give him some valuable contributors in that bottom six guys like Rudy Balsers, guys like Philip Schlopik, Colin White. Uh, yeah, I, I really like the signing. I think two years is probably a perfect term. Uh, you were talking about the contract breakdown. If I'm not mistaken, I believe it's 1.2 in year one and then 1.5 in year two. Uh, but regardless, uh, it's a low cap hit for a guy who's going to be valuable. Is he a guy maybe they lose to Seattle in the expansion draft? Uh, perhaps if they don't protect him. But uh, But either way, Nick Paul is going to be a valuable guy going forward. Um, is he irreplaceable in that lineup? No, they have a lot of guys who can play a similar role. Guys like Nick Paul aren't the hardest to come by, but he's a guy who's developed in your system. He's a guy who has chemistry with, with players like Drake Batherson and Logan Brown and Balsers and Schlopik. Uh, so I think it's really good. Um, I'm happy for him. He worked his ass off to get to this point. Um, he had some adversity in the years past, but he's battled through it to prove that he's a full-time NHLer, and I'm excited to see what he does this year. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much nailed it on the head there. Um, super, super happy for the guy. He's he, like he's working his ass off, like you mentioned. Um, it, I, I believe I believe he's the only player left from uh, that uh, Jason Spezza trade, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it's nice that he it's nice that he you know he, we, we kind of have something to show for that. Um, and he kind of just. He's like he's like a prototypical DJ Smith kind of player, I guess. You know, he's big body. You know, he can pro- provide some physicalities. Solid top b- bottom six guy. Um, and I don't think he's much more than that. I think he knows that. But uh, you know, he's finally made. He's finally taken that next step to the NHL. And I mean, I'm super happy for the guy. He definitely deserves it. So we'll see. We'll we'll see how he does th- this season. But I think he'll be like a regular contributor down there. Yeah, I think that's a really good point of him being a uh, a career bottom six player. I think he's like. He's nothing more than that, but I do believe he has the, he will have the opportunity to play up and down the lineup if need be, like injury-wise or if someone gets traded. You never know what happens. I think he definitely gets a look like part-time, you know what I mean? And another thing is uh, um, um, I just numbered off the fly, so I did some quick research while Brandon and Alex were talking, was um, two years ago in the 2019 uh, Sen Skills, um, Nick Paul really carried Team Red. <laughs> if you guys remember that, he in the – the Send Skills competition. He uh, beat the beat uh, the uh, hardest uh, shot uh, competition. Uh, he beat the record, which was for the license previously, and his record is now 108.3 miles per hour, and uh, which means he has a wicked good slap shot. And uh, he also won. Um, I can't really find the other ones here. He, I think he won the fastest skater too. I think, but yeah, that year he just. Honestly, it became um, uh, for me. It became a meme, but I loved it. It was it was it was great. He wasn't even supposed to play in the. He wasn't even supposed to really be in the uh, since Sen skills competition. And he just came in and blew the water away. Not really significant, but I just found something funny to mention about Nick Paul. Yeah, he didn't really have a friend in Guy Boucher that year, um, so it, so it was tough for him to to crack that lineup. Uh, but he certainly. I think he made the most of it when he did get the opportunities to play. And last year, like you mentioned, um, he did have the injury at the beginning of the new year, but other than that, he was just solid. He had the beginning of, he had the game in the beginning of the year uh, against San Jose where he scored two goals. And uh, I believe it was after that game that DJ Smith told him he needed to get a place in Ottawa. 
So uh, yeah, it, you know, he he's a guy who's made the most of his opportunities and he's proven that he belongs in the NHL full time for better or for worse, uh, whether that's fourth line minutes or first line minutes, Nick Paul's an NHL player. And, uh, and yeah, you, you can't take that away from him. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think it's Nick Paul is definitely that heart and soul type of guy that Ottawa needs. Like in a rebuild, you definitely need some leadership guys. While he doesn't have the most NHL experience, he definitely has a lot of hockey experience himself. He's got experience in the NHL. He has experience from other teams' uh, uh, scenarios as he was uh, involved in that. Dallas trick bring in Jason Spezza. And I, I, I think he brings a, a different point of view for a lot of different things. And I, I, I love this signing. I love that he's finally get the chance to be full-time NHL. Anyways, moving on, um, another contract was signed at the time of recording. It would happen yesterday, and it was the signing of Joe DeCord. He signed a three-year contract. If I'm correct, it's a uh, $750,000 for three years uh, two-way deal. Can I have your thoughts on that? Yeah, the, the final year of the deal is a one-way, uh, so he is going to get a chance to prove that he's an NHL player. Uh, I think it's great. Uh, I think it's a it's a contract that is structured to to aid him on his development curve. Um, one thing you have to remember is after this season, Marcus Hogberg is an RFA, and uh, Anders Nilsson, I believe, is going to be a UFA or maybe an RFA. Either way, um, they're going to have to make a decision on either one of the on on one of those guys. They've locked in Matt Murray for four years. Uh, we know he's not going anywhere. Um, so whether the uh, sorry, so whether or not uh, it's going to be Hogberg or Nilsson in net uh, as his backup going forward, the timeline with the way it plays out is going to give Decord an opportunity to be at least the backup in that third year of his deal. So whether he whether he you know takes up a starting role in Ottawa by then, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to thrust him into that, especially with a guy like Matt Murray, but the way it works out, it's they give him two years to tear it up in Belleville. And then in year three, he gets the chance to go up to Ottawa and prove that he's an everyday NHL goaltender. And maybe by the end of Murray's deal, they let him walk and uh, Decord just becomes their starter. So I think for him, it's a great opportunity. Belleville is going to be a really good team for the next few years still. Uh, so he gets to play big time starting minutes on a really good hockey team in the American League. Uh, and once he's had that extra seasoning, he gets to go up to the NHL. He gets to learn from a guy like Matt Murray. Ottawa three years from now also projects to be a hell of a lot better than they are now. So it's, I think, a hell of a lot better to have him play for a good Ottawa team that's going to be solid defensively and be able to actually give teams a run for their money rather than put him, you know, behind a blue line that both guys like Erica Branson and, you know, Josh Brown and nothing against those guys, but Ottawa doesn't project to be very good defensively. They project to give up a lot of shots this year. So I would rather have him in net um, when he's a little more insulated uh, rather than now. So for him, like I said, it's a great opportunity. And uh, I think he's really going to surprise some people. Like people forget this guy is a seventh round pick. So, you know, for him to even get the opportunity to have a one-way contract at any point in his career is massive, especially as a goaltender. Uh, so I'm very excited to see what he can do. I think right now he's probably the best goaltending prospect in the system. And uh, I think he projects to maybe be the goaltender of the future for the Ottawa Senators. So I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much covered it all right there. Uh, 
you know, he's the, the three-year contract kind of gives him a timeline as well. They're like, okay, we, the third year is when we want you to take the next step. You got to prove it to us. If not, you're going to be, you know, one, one, one way deal. You could be stuck in the, the, the A if you don't, you know, so it kind of gives him a kind of timeline to realize where he has to be in his development. Um, and at that point, I don't think, like, I think we talked about a bit in the Twitter chat, but I don't think Hogberg would necessarily be back at that point. Um, Murray will probably be going to the final contract or last two seasons of his contract. So, you know, it kind of gives, kind of gives Decord a nice little opportunity there to come in, show what he can do. And, and then if he pr- proves himself after that third year, then maybe he, like you said, disturbed her the future. And I agree. He's a top goal, goal, goaltender prospect. Uh, I know some people will say Gustafson is, but I, I think Decord's a farther along than him in his development. Um, but I think Decord is, is, is projecting right now to likely be the, the future goaltender of the Ottawa Senator. Yeah, well, um, while I agree that uh, uh, Decord has a lot of potential on his hits, uh, it's definitely been um, a great run for him so far. Like, he has a seventh-round round pick, and for him to have this potential one-way deal is ridiculous. It's really good. I like that. And he's been really, really good for the Senators' uh, system so far. Um, where I will disagree with you guys is I don't know if he's for sure to go to the future. I think our goal of the future is still up in the air. We've got a lot of prospects in Decord, Hogberg. I don't think Hogberg is in running for goal of the future. I think he's a career backup at best. But uh, that's besides the point. I think our guys who are potentially going to the future are uh, Decord, Philip Gustafson, Mad Sugard, and even Kevin Mon, at least. I think those are four guys really in the running. I think there's, there's, those are four prospects who could definitely prove to be something and have a shot at being goalie of the future. Another thing is I'll bring up is um, 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 and it's situation with uh, um, uh, Brandon uh, bringing up Anders Nilsson. Um, I feel I'm not too sure Anders Nilsson will, will play in the NHL this year because um, if I'm looking at an article that was published a few weeks ago. It says that at, uh, that uh, so Anders Nilsson hasn't played in the NHL since December 16th. He's had he's had a concussion ever since, and he hasn't even started skating yet, as that article is written. So that's, concussions take a long time uh, to uh, deal with, and I feel that um, if Anders Nielsen um, plays, like, at some point this year or next year, hats off to him. I'm, I'm going to be clapping for him, like, a lot. I'm going to be, like, applauding him. But uh, I don't think it's realistic to, to, to believe that Anders Nielsen will play in the NHL this year since his, uh, his, um, his, um, um, recovery hasn't uh, hasn't really been fast, if you want to say that. Like he's deaf. The article says he's feeling better, but he's not even skating yet. So that's that's where you see his uh, development in that standpoint. And um, I think um, I think um, definitely has the potential to come back, but I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. And um, another another thing I I I, um, I wanted to say is. Um, Another option for goal of the future, honestly, is you can't even you can't honestly rule out uh, Matt Murray. Like I'm, I know he's on a four-year contract, and but the guy is only 24 years old. Let's say 26 years old. He's gonna he's gonna be uh, he, he has the potential to be with us for a long time. I don't think Plan A is to have him be our goal of the future, but he is our goal of the now. And if it works out for him, and it doesn't work out for the other guys, you can't really fault that. You can't really rule that out, in my opinion. Well, one thing you have to consider is. Uh... In an interview he gave to the Financial Post last week, Eugene Melnick said that he expects the Ottawa Senators to win the Stanley Cup within the next four years. How long is Matt Murray's contract? It's four years, right? So I think you, well, you, you know, going back to what you were saying about Anders Nilsson, 
they don't trade for Matt Murray if they think Anders Nilsson is going to be healthy this year. Absolutely not. Um, you know, the guys had concussion symptoms for 10 months. Uh, that's something I can attest to personally. My last concussion, I had symptoms for over a year. And uh, it's not fun. And it does take a long time to recover. Um, so, and it's not a good feeling. It's, you know, it's physically, obviously, you feel terrible. But the mental toll it takes on you is something I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. So, I really do want to send my best out to Anders Nelson because, you know, I've been down that road and it's really hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel some days. But in, t- in talking about who's going to be the goaltender for the Ottawa Senators, yeah, uh, I think, you know, you look at a guy like Matt Murray, who's 26 years old, 117 career wins, and he's won two Stanley Cups. Um, those don't grow on trees, especially so young. So I think they are planning to get as much as they can out of Matt Murray. Uh, He'll be about 30 by the time his contract is done. So if they've seen some signs of regression, regression, sorry, they're expecting Joey Decord to be able to step in and fill that role. Uh, As far as Marcus Hoberg goes, I still believe there's something there. Uh, Is he going to be a Vesna winning goaltender? Probably not. But what he showed us this year, I was really impressed. Uh, he did not have a good team in front of him, and he gave them every chance to win. Like, how many games did they lose in overtime or a shootout when Marcus Hogberg was playing, right? Like, he stole, he almost stole some games for, for them. Uh, he had them getting points in games that they had no right to be in. He might have cost them the first overall pick, if we're being honest. Uh, so I think Hogberg uh, has the potential to still – at the very least be a one B for Matt Murray. But, um, but, you know, I, I do think Decord is the guy they're projecting to be their long-term solution. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned guys like uh, Mandalese and Sogard and Gustafson. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't be in the system if the senators didn't believe in them. Uh, Mandalese especially had a bounce back year this year. He struggled the year prior and uh, he was the best goaltender in the QMJHL this year. I had the chance to speak with him in the summer, actually, and he told me about uh, how he actually going to a sports psychologist really turned things around for him because uh, it really helped his confidence. Like he, I think the biggest thing that he was struggling with was a belief in himself. Um, people believed in him, but they didn't. But he didn't quite believe in himself. So once he found that confidence, he really found his game. And uh, he's a man on a mission. Uh, He's going into a Brampton team this year in the ECHL where he's going to be the bona fide undisputed starter. And he's going to have a chance to work his way up to the AHL. If Philip Gustafson doesn't perform in Belleville this year, I would fully expect them to to swap him and Kevin Mandelies and for Kevin Mandelies to get minutes in Belleville. Uh, So, yeah, you know, goalies are voodoo. It's really hard to predict what you're getting out of them, especially when they're young. But uh, you're right. Ottawa does have a lot of options going forward. I just think right now it's it's not even a question. Decord is further along than any of the youngsters that they have. And uh, that if you had to put your money down on one guy right now, it, it would probably be him. Yeah, I mean, again, but but to the Anders Nielsen thing, uh, I've had concussions as well, so I can I, I, I can understand where you come from there as well, Brandon. It's it, it's a tough road to recovery sometimes. Like sometimes it could just be a small one, but you know sometimes the symptoms are just constantly lingering, and sometimes you get into this, like you said, the the mental the mental aspect of it really like takes a toll on you. So I do wish Anders Nielsen well, and hopefully he recovers. Um, but yeah, uh, 
back to Joey Decord. Uh, like like you said, there's there's so many prospects in the, like goaltending prospects in the Sanders pool. Even with the one that took in the third round this year, Marilyn. I don't like he doesn't have the good stats, but they obviously took him. You, you can only have uh, you can't have too many goaltenders because like you said, they're voodoo. One could be trajectory upwards, and the next season just completely falls off, and there you go. Is so you know the fact that they're taking so many goalies kind of shows that that's a position they want to be strong at. Um, and there's just so many options in that, but right now Joey Decord is by far the best one, and the far, for furthest along. Um, I would expect you know Sodgar to maybe get there eventually. They did trade up for him in the second round, so I do think they have a lot of faith in faith in him as well. But obviously he's still he's still playing the WHL, so he still has a way to go. But uh, Joe Joey Decord is definitely further along than Gustafson at this point. So I think he gets a starter in Belleville, Gustafson the backup, Mandalay's in Brampton, and Sodgar. In the WHL, that's pretty much how I see it going. So, yeah, um, yeah, definitely, um, definitely. The, the the court is definitely the guy who's further along right now. And honestly, I think he even pushed for backup this year. I think the options for backup are either uh, Hogberg or Decord. And honestly, I think it's going to be a difficult situation to choose. And um, I think that um, there's even a possibility that Ottawa rolls three goalie system where they alternate backups. I think that's a possible situation. Yeah, I, I don't think that's preferable for them just because they would rather have Decord playing big minutes and starts in Belleville than sitting in the press box in Ottawa. Marcus Hogberg's also on a one-way contract this year. Uh, so you would, so they would have to risk waivers if they did want to send him down to Belleville. Uh, so I think they're pretty solid in having the Murray Hogberg tandem. Maybe there's an injury and maybe, uh, maybe, uh, Decord gets some starts in Ottawa. Maybe even guys like Gustafson get called up, but I think Murray and Hogberg is the plan right now. It was Nilsson and Hogberg, um, and you would have probably seen those guys be, uh, be pretty uh, egalitarian with their starts. Like you would have seen them probably split pretty much the starts in half. <clears throat> I think now having Murray, you know, let's say the season is 82 games. Uh, I think I think Matt Murray is a guy that plays probably around 50 games, and uh, Marcus Hogberg fills in the rest. But you're right; they do have options. Um, could Joey Decord probably be a competent backup? Yeah, but what's the rush? Um, this is not a team that's looking to contend this year. Maybe they fall bass backwards into a playoff spot now that they've got guys like Dadanov. I do believe they are going to add more probably in the coming weeks. I, I think there's going to be some more surprising moves that the Senators make. Um, but for right now, you know, those are your guys. Let's see what you have in Hogberg. Um, give Matt Murray the opportunity to bounce back in a relatively low-pressure environment. And uh, and then just continue on the development curve, you know. That's really fair, and um, I think that's I, I completely forgot about the one week contract for uh, for Hogberg. So yeah, that's that's really a good point. I think that now that I know that, I think Hogberg is definitely the for sure backup this year, unless something crazy happens. But yeah, um, let's move on from that because I don't want to spend too too much time on that. Um, let's go to the trade that happened in the last uh, week. So the Senators have traded for two veterans and two uh, cap guys. So uh, these guys bring in a cap hit while uh, not necessarily being paid as much. For example, for, for a, uh, it was a 2021 fifth round pick we acquired from the, uh, we acquired uh, Eric Branson from the Anaheim Ducks. And his contract is, he's got one year left at a $4 million cap hit, but we save a whole, a whole million dollars. 
from that, so you weren't really paying him three mil. I think that uh, Erica Branson is a is a is a key uh, depth guy at best, uh, six guy and uh, fifth or sixth guy on the team, and um, who can uh, not necessarily steal roster spots from the young guys, but make it more competitive in training camp for those guys to see how far they've come along. And uh, and um, yeah, I think. Uh, Kid Branson is a great leader uh, um, in terms of veteran presence and a lot. I think he definitely provide a some sort of locker room presence. Well, let's look at the Ottawa Senators' right side of the blue line. You have Josh Brown and you have Artem Zub uh, filling in behind Nikita Zaitsev. Uh, Josh Brown has played 93 NHL games and Artem Zub has played none. Uh, so the Senators really desperately need experience on that side of the ice. Uh, you know, they've shown a reluctance to play Eric Brandstrom on the right side, even though he's stated very publicly that he prefers the right side to the left side. Um, so bringing in a guy like Good Branson, you know, is he going to be your top pairing shutdown guy? Probably not. No, but what he brings to the locker room. Uh, he's a character guy. Anybody who's played with him or been around him absolutely raves about Eric Branson or sorry, Erica Branson, the person um, he's beloved by his teammates, by coaches, by management. He's local. Um, you know, people knock that, but at the end of the day, if, you know, if you can bring in a guy who was born in Ottawa, loves the city of Ottawa to play on your team, like, why wouldn't you, you know, like it, it just, it's, it's not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination and they're not passing up on better players for Eric Goodbranson. I just, you know, I don't think Pierre Dorian would do that. So, you know, it's, it's a low risk move. It's a guy who's going to help them uh, hit the floor for a year. Um, in terms of off the ice, he can, he can provide some leadership to a very young group of defenders, guys like Thomas Shabbat and Christian Willannon and Eric Branstrom. Uh, even guys like Zub and Josh Brown, who don't have the most NHL experience yet. But he also has the chance to have a bounce back season um, just because he he is more suited to DJ Smith's system. Uh, DJ Smith's system has a, is a box out system in their end of the ice. So it relies on defensemen clearing the crease and playing physical uh, to get back puck possession in the corners. So that's why guys like Mark Borowiecki um, looked so good in this system. Uh, it's why a guy like Good Branson will probably bounce back. Same thing can be said of Josh Brown. They're both big physical defenders that are going to clear the crease in front of the net. And yeah, like, you know, people can get upset about trading. I think, what was it? A fifth round pick for him. Yeah. Like, you know, whatever, fine. It, it's, it's not that big of a deal um, to tell you the truth. It's a relatively innocuous move. It's probably going to be better for this team in the long run, um, just in terms of off ice development. So I don't hate it. Uh, I think it's totally fine. And like I said, they need experience on the blue line. They, they just do like, you can't throw guys like Thomas Shabbat cannot be your longest serving defenseman. You know, I think Zaitsev has played more games, but you know, like you do need guys that know how to play in the NHL, that know what it takes to be a pro and to be a leader. Uh, so I, I think it's a solid move for a year. I think it's totally fine. Yeah, I feel um, I'm going to interrupt here really quick for all those talks. I feel it's definitely a great, um, great veterans guy, veterans guy. And like you cannot, you cannot have Thomas. Like I love Thomas Schwab. Like He's a great player. He's probably the best player on the team, but you can't have him being your most 
your high, your longest tenure senator right now. Like he's great. He's played what two hundred and fifteen games, I think it is, or something like that around there. But like, that's not a lot of experience, if you ask me. Anyways, um, the last thing I want to say for that was is I read an article a couple days ago. Um, it's, I don't remember who it was, but it, just the headline made me laugh. Uh, Hockey mom's dream come true. Thirty-one year old son signs in a in hometown team. <laughs> I laughed so hard when I saw that. He's 28, but yeah. My bad. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, 28. Same thing. But yeah, I think he said in a, in a radio hit that uh, his mother was almost in tears at the prospect of having him play at home ice. And, you know, like if you have the opportunity to bring a guy like that in, um, you know, I think there's been a general perception over the last few years that Ottawa is not an attractive place to play. Um, maybe that's a tide that's turning with guys like Evgeny Dadnov signing, like we were talking about. But if you can bring in a guy, a hometown guy um, who you know is going to be thrilled to pull on that uniform and play in front of his, you know, friends and family, uh, it, it just makes sense. Like it's just a smart business move as well as a smart hockey move. It's a marketable decision. So, you know, you know, people can get mad about it. I think there's a lot better things to be mad about, especially as it pertains to the Ottawa Senators. So, uh, so I like it, and I think it's going to be good for the team. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I seen I seen that trade happen. I didn't see the analytical community just destroy the senators. I mean, and to be fair, the analytics aren't aren't good at all. So I, I, I they had a reason to do that. But at the same time, it's a fifth round pick. Uh, no one really, you know, like how many if, how many players are you going to drop in the fifth round that are going to come in and contribute to a team? They're likely if they do, they're likely four, five, six years away, possibly, right? So, like. Uh, Gabranton, like like we've been all been saying, he just brings experience. He's a local guy, um, and you know you could even say they brought him in to you know help with the even. The, I wouldn't say he, he's going to be a direct factor for the uh, contract negotiations, but you know for guys like Kachuk or people who have the contract contracts coming up, they would turn to a local guy and be like, hey, this is actually a pretty good city to live in. Like here's some you know like you you, I, you can see yourself living here for a long long time type thing, um, and people. Pe- People do forget that Eric Branson did play top line minutes in Anaheim a couple times with Cam Fowler, um, and Anaheim was not a very good team either. And Good Branson, if you look at his stats, he was even. He didn't go. He didn't have a negative. He wasn't a plus, but he was an, an even. So he, like, that's pretty good for you know Anaheim didn't finish too too much higher than the Senators. So um, I, I think it's a good move. He's going to be there for one year. Uh, if they if they do resign him after that, it's his formula. It's not going to be for four million. I'll tell you that much. It'll be like a one year. Probably, you know, like 700K, 800K or something. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't see an issue with the move. I, I, his analytics aren't good, but he brings experience. Like Jake, Jacob said as well, competition in training camp. Um, for a lot of young guys, can't really have, you know, like <laughs> you can't expect Branch and all those young guys, Lushwan, all of them from Belleville to just come up and play in the NHL. You kind of need some stability back there and helps them get to the cap floor. I think it's I think it's, it's I wouldn't say it's a good move, but it's, you know, like, like Brandon also mentioned, there's a lot more things to be upset about as a Senators fan than trading for a local guy, trading a fifth round pick for a local guy. So uh, yeah, that's pretty much how I feel about that. Yeah, I feel, um, feel definitely um, the price we paid to get Branson was Branson. No, sorry. But Branson wasn't necessarily the highest. I messed up there. Sorry. <laughs> I feel like it wasn't the highest price to pay, but definitely, um, um, it is um, in this cap world. My one, uh, my one um, 
beef, if you want to call it beef, with this contract is if uh, if with most teams acquiring a bad contract uh, um, means like normally Anaheim would have paid the team to take on that contract, but really it wasn't that case. That's my only real beef with the situation. Not really a big beef, but that's all. That's all I have to say about it. The thing with that is, I don't think uh, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Anaheim is as tight, you know, tight to the cap as other teams. Like if it was a Vegas, like I, I believe they're like four or five million away from the cap, so they, they do have some wiggle room. But if it was you know like a Tampa or a, you know Vegas or somebody that really needed help, I would probably pretty much guarantee that I pick would have came out our way. But for the fact that Anaheim isn't that as close to the cap as those other teams, I think that plays a pretty big factor too. Yeah, there, there's something to be said for the fact that Ottawa should have got another pick out of it. I think they should have, um, regardless of whether or not Anaheim is tight against the cap. You're asking them. You're asking. You're taking on a contract that is not good, um, and the general consensus is that in order to take on bad contracts, uh, you get something back in return, uh, rather than just giving up an asset. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you can argue that Ottawa should have got maybe, you know, maybe a second rounder, maybe even like a third or fourth rounder out of it. Uh, so, but, but at the end of the day, you know, they're not short on picks again next year. I believe they have like three picks in the third round next year. Um, so, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, I think they have, I think it breaks down. I think they have their, their first round pick, uh, two seconds and three thirds or something like that. But uh, so again, not short on picks. Uh, they're going to be all right. And for what you're getting in good Branson, they didn't pay a high price. So again, just an innocuous move. Yeah. I also think the Falcon Senators needed to make to the cap floor, probably, you know, they probably lost a bit of leverage there. The Anaheim being like, well, you guys need kind of need this contract to kind of get to the cap floor. So I, I, I think that kind of played a part into the negotiations too, but I do agree. I pictured it came the other way, but I don't know. I mean, it could have been worse. All right. That being said, let's move on to the next trade. I, I don't think it's going to take too, too long, but we acquired Austin Watson from the National Predators for a fourth round pick. And I don't really remember his contract off 100%. So from the top of my head, most likely wrong. It's 1.5 million for three years. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I was about to say, shoot something completely different than that. <laughs> I thought it was a lot more than that. Anyways, um, I I think uh, Austin Watson is definitely a good bottom six guy who can provide some locker room presence. And uh, he's definitely a, a great guy to have in the team. And before I pass it off to you guys, I'm going to mention a little bit um, about the, I guess you want to call it the stigma behind Austin Watson. Maybe it was a year or two ago, he was, in, he was quote unquote involved in, a, in, a, in, a, in an incident with his, uh, I don't know if it's his girlfriend, his wife. Girlfriend. That's girlfriend. Thank you. Uh, he was involved in a situation uh, that got him um, in some legal legal problems. I'm not going to exactly go too into detail. If you want to find out what it is, go right ahead. But uh, um, but yeah, um, there's been a sensitive article uh, released from that. Uh, it was saying that it was. Um, I'm not gonna. Uh, I can't. I can't. I don't know the exact wording. It was something like um, with uh, his girlfriend said, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but, uh, but his girlfriend said, uh, so basically what happened was for those of you who don't know, uh, Austin Watson was arrested on a charge of uh, domestic assault um, in connection with an incident outside of a gas station with his girlfriend. Um, 
he pled no contest. Uh, I believe he served probation as well as uh, he had to do a batterer intervention course. Uh, his girlfriend would not long after come out and admit to being an alcoholic. Uh, and she said the incident was a fight over her drinking. Um, she also said that Austin Watson uh, has never and would never hit me. Um, so that the so she said that he didn't hit her. Um, it's not clear what happened, um, whether or not that's true. Uh, you know, I don't think it's for any of us to sewer the guy over. Uh, it, it is such a complicated thing and it's something that you can't brush off and that you do have to take seriously because it is, you know, it is such a serious topic. Um, Watson's a guy who's admitted to having some troubles with depression and anxiety and substance abuse. He was suspended in January of 2019 for uh, an alcohol related relapse. So, you know, but again, he's a guy who has made every effort to turn himself around by all indications. He's done a lot of work for mental health advocacy. Um, he's worn his heart on his sleeve. Uh, he's been very open and honest about his recovery and the changes that he's tried to make to his life. Um, so as far as the stigma goes, I understand why there were people who were not thrilled about having Austin Watson on their hockey team. Um, but I think, you know, we were so eager to give Bobby Ryan a chance to reform himself and to prove that he had changed. And, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Bobby because what he did and the person he is, is phenomenal. Um, but by the same token, uh, I think it's only fair that we give Austin Watson the opportunity to prove that he is changed as well. Um, and I think, you know, he did an interview for TSN 1200 the other day, and he said that he's going to wear number 16 in honor of Brian McGratton, uh, because McGratton was another guy who has, you know, dealt with those similar issues. And uh, he was a guy who, uh, helped Watson through his own sort of, uh, through his own recovery. So I think by all indications, this is a guy who's made mistakes uh, and he's trying to do right by, you know, himself and his family and his new team. So, so I think, um, you know, you, you have to take everything with a grain of salt and you do have to take what happens seriously. But like I said, I think it's only fair that a guy gets a chance. Um, I don't really know what else to say about it other than that. Um, you know, you don't have to love him by any means, but I think it's only fair that we give the guy the benefit of the doubt for now and uh, give him a chance to prove that he is changed and that he has turned himself around. Yeah, I mean, I was one of those people when we uh, when I first saw the trade, I was like, oh, oh. but uh, the, like I, the more I look into the article and whatnot, you know, I was, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give him a chance. I'll see what, you know, wait, wait and see how this plays out because obviously – you know, he went, he went to the NHL for help. He went, entered the substance abuse program, you know, finished that. Um, and I, I feel like now he probably, like he's, he's probably come out with, you know, a bit of a chip on his shoulder to kind of show people that he, he has changed. Um, so I'm not going to be, I'm, I, I'm a person that believes in second chances. And I'm not going to be the first person to, the, you know, just because someone screwed up in the past doesn't mean they, they're, they're going to, like, they're going to, they're a terrible person. Everybody makes mistakes and there's a, there's an opportunity for, for himself to prove that he's a changed, a changed man and, a, and an opportunity to show that he's not that person that he was back in the past. So um, be, before I jump to conclusion to say this is a terrible, terrible move, I'm just going to wait and wait and see how it plays out and see what he does. I mean, he is a, he is a, you know, you know, to switch on the topic to hockey, he, 
he he led the I believe he led the league in block shots for forwards last year. So he is kind of a like you know a pretty good defensive forward and brings a lot of credit. He's again a prototypical DJ Smith kind of player. So whether we'll see him, you know, I think he'll thrive in the Ottawa system personally. And I think at 1.5 for three years, that's not a terrible contract at all. Even if he doesn't pan out, like, you know, even if you bury him in the minors or plays constant fourth line minutes for three years, 1.5, it's not like it's a low risk, I guess, low risk, low reward, or maybe a low risk, high reward. I don't really know how you want to put it, but, you know, like it's not really much Ottawa kind of, gave up for him at, at all and if he doesn't pan out he doesn't pan out they lose a fourth round pick in a draft that they have so many picks already again so um before you knock the guy just kind of give him a chance see how he does you know the fact that he's wearing number 16 for brian McGrattan, who pretty much went through something very very similar um maybe not identical but that he he came out and said it um and they helped him through it like you said brandon brian McGrattan was actually like he, he's pretty he, fans loved him when he was in ottawa so he's He's a very similar player to Brian McGrath. So we'll see how that we'll see how that worked out. But um, I think the guy's worthy of a second chance. And yeah, that's pretty much all I'm going to talk about that. All right. So I'm going to um, um, take a flow back there. Um, Brandon said, what Brandon said, it was honestly amazingly said. And I was looking for words to talk about it. I just couldn't find them. So thank you, Brandon, for, for sitting in on that. I've, it's, it's well said and definitely. Um, I feel good uh, bringing in um, um, Austin Watson is a definite uh, boost to the locker room. He definitely he's been through a lot in his life. And I feel he's he from that he, he has great. He's learned a lot. He's he's learned a lot and has been able to. Uh, um, I think he's he's gonna be able to educate this uh, some of the sense young guys in terms of um, shit happens, but it's not necessarily what happens is how you build from it. That's what I think from it all. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way of putting it. And I think, um, again, I want to be really cautious about being dismissive about the charges that he faced because, again, it is such a serious issue. And yeah, exactly. You know, there are a lot of instances of um, of women saying things to protect their abusers. And again, I'm not at all accusing uh, Jen Gardino of of doing that or. Um, you know, or of Austin Watts or Austin Watson of being an abuser. I don't know the situation. I wasn't there and I'm not a fly on the wall, um, you know, in that relationship, but just purely from a hockey perspective, uh, you know, he's certainly not a guy that's going to light up anybody's board in terms of stats or advanced stats. Um, it, he's not, it's not a, he's not a sexy player by any means, but uh, he's going to be a guy that's going to provide some energy um, he's going to provide some depth. Uh, the right wing situation, especially before signing Dadanov, was bleak. Um, you know, you, you, you were, we were looking at a team that was probably going to have to play either Drake, Drake Batherson or Connor Brown in first line minutes. And, you know, that's just not something that a competitive team is going to do, at least for Batherson, not right now. I think he's still got some time on his development curve before he hits that point. But yeah, Watson gives them a chance to uh, to shelter their players a little more. I think he's a guy that can play up and down the lineup if he has to. He'll provide some energy. He's a physical player, like Alex was saying. He blocks shots, um, so he's a good guy to have in the room. Um, he's again character guy, uh, probably a little bit of a better version than a Scott Saverin type player. Um, so you know, for, again, from a hockey perspective, it's purely a depth move. The contract is the contract. You know, if he play, if he has an up year this year, maybe Seattle takes him. 
Uh, if not, you can always move a $1.5 million cap hit. It's, you know, it's not a difficult contract to move. So, you know, it, it's totally fine. Um, he's going to be a fourth line, third line guy. So, you, you know, it, it's hard to argue with the move. They didn't pay a big price to get him, like we were talking about with Good Branson. Uh, it's a valuable move for a team that's going to be chock full of young players and is going to need that veteran physical presence. Uh, so I like the move from a hockey perspective. Um, you know, uh, it's tough because, you know, at the time it didn't make a whole lot of sense because they weren't adding any skill. Uh, and that's one thing the senators need is skill desperately. Um, so you let a guy like Anthony Duclair walk for whatever reason, again, don't know what happened there. Um, and then you bring in an Austin Watson, like there were a lot of fans who were like, what the hell's going on here? Uh, and I totally understand that perspective, but now having signed Dadanov, hopefully with some more moves coming down the pipe, maybe for a center, um, or even, you know, even a defenseman or another winger. Uh, Watson makes sense uh, for a bot for the bottom six of a lineup. And uh, I think it's going to be a move that probably ages well. Yeah. I'm not going to spend too much more time on, on Austin Watson, but uh, yeah, he's to me, he's like a pro typical, like I guess playoff performer as well. Like he, not, not that he's going to light up, you know, 15, 20 goals in the playoffs, but he's, you know, that high energy guy that plays like, everybody needs in a play, playoff series, a physical guy that'll block shots and whatnot. And obviously, you know, the centers, they, they may squeak in the season, but I, I, I don't see it at all, but if they do, then they have him there. Um, I think it's a, like, a hockey, hockey move. I think it's fine. And again, um, I'm not going to spend too much more time on it, but we do, again, I, the fans do have the right to be, you know, cautious about, about him coming to the team just because his pre- previous record, but um, we're not going to, I'm, I'm personally not going to jump on the ship, you know, at, complain about it right now until I see kind of how, how, how it plays out because everybody deserves second chances, but in a hockey, hockey move, I think it's a, it's a great move and it's a, it's not going to hurt the team at all in whatsoever. So he, he'll, he'll protect the young guys. If, you know, someone, you know, if someone needs to jump in and protect the young guys, he'll come in and like, like Scott Sabrin was last year, but he's probably a bit more skilled than Scott Sabrin. So um, he, I think he's an, like he's an NHL player. I don't think he's a, you know, an all-star, but he's definitely a, like a career fourth liner. So he's definitely better than Scott. I upgrade on Scott Dobrin for sure. All right. Yeah. On that note, it's, it's, it's a good time to move on to the next uh, segment of the show. I'm going to talk about some rumors now. We all love some rumors. So um, there's a few of them. I have, I guess, two or three of them to note out for the first one being in my opinion, the most significant one is the Senators, uh, not the Senators itself, but the Adidas, uh, the Adidas uh, website has, uh, I'm going to say, quote unquote, leaked the new captain. So basically, what happened was, is, is um, I don't know if he's, it's, it's just, uh, just speculation at this point, is that uh, the Adidas uh, shop was selling the other Senators jerseys with Brady Kachuk's uh, number on the back and name, but they're in the pictures of the jerseys on, on sale and at the C. So, it's either a big mistake, in my opinion, or it could be uh, uh, reading between the lines. It could be, it could mean something more than that. What do you guys think? I mean, it's tough because, yeah, it, it certainly does look like a mistake on the surface. But when you think about it, uh, you know, that we haven't even seen any kind of C. You know, from the jersey reveal, we never saw a captain C anywhere. So the fact that Adidas has it, 
and they have it on a Brady Kachuk jersey. It did it did seem like a little bit of too much. It makes sense a little bit too much to be a coincidence. Um, I think if I'm not mistaken, people who ordered that jersey, it didn't come with the C on it, I don't think. Um, but you know, um, logically. Uh, is there a good chance that Brady Kachuk is the captain of the Ottawa Senators? Yeah, um, I, I definitely think so. Um, is it going to happen without a long-term contract extension? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. And do I think a Brady Kachuk contract is going to get done anytime soon? No, I don't. Um, so for me, it's it's a tough one. Um, it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Senators have said, hey, have this Brady Kachuk captain jersey on standby. But when you look at the circumstances around it, uh, you know, is again, is Kachuk going to be a, the captain without that extension? No. Um, and I don't know how soon that contract extension is coming. I think the organization has a lot to prove to Brady Kachuk. Um, I think signing guys like Dadanov and Matt Murray uh, is part of proving to him that they have a commitment to win and to, uh, to win. So that's going to be big, but as for right now, I would lean more towards the side of it's a mistake. Um, even if the senators have put it on standby, um, you know, and said, uh, Hey, you know, you, you're going to need this in the future. Uh, there's no reason for it to be, you know, put out there anytime soon. I don't think, uh, I don't think the senators and Brady Kachuk are anywhere close on a contract extension. I don't know if they've even started talking about a contract extension. Um, last we heard from Pierre Dorian, it didn't sound like they had. So, so we'll see, but for right now, I would say, uh, I would say it's a mistake. So I'm going to jump yeah. in once again, and yeah. um, <laughs> sorry about that. I, I, I had something to say, but I guess we can. I was a, I was oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. Was, it's it's one of the most, most far fetched things. But as you guys are talking about it, I was, a part of me was just like, what if the Sanders kind of leaked it on purpose to be like, hey, Kachuk, if you sign long term, this is what it would look like. I, it's 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 probably probably did not happen, but it's it's been the kind of far fetched idea. But I just think it's kind of fun to think about, like, hey. You know, you kind of a preview of what it would look like if you sign long term. You know, you can kind of get the ski on your jersey. And I, if I you, don't think it happened. If you had it. asked, if you had asked me back in August, uh, who was going to be the next captain of the Ottawa Senators, I would have said Thomas Shabbat. Yeah, me too. But yeah. but the fact that uh, DJ Smith said there's going to be there isn't going to be a captain this year, that makes me think they're waiting for Brady. Uh, exactly what I was going to say. I think that um, like uh, I think it was a few months ago, a few months after the season lockdown, I think that uh, there was a mention that the Senators were coming closer to naming a captain. There was a possibility of Senators naming a captain for the next season. Mm. But a few months later after last season, they, they did mention that they might not name, name a captain anymore. And my belief is, along with probably you guys too, I'm not going to speak for you, but I think that it's um, – I think that's it's uh, back when he first said they were going to name a captain. I think they – if they chose Brady, I think they, they, they had more of a more of a – they thought they're going to sign him easier than, than he's taking to sign them. And I think they're just waiting on him to sign first. Yeah. The, the thing about Shabbat is DJ Smith said, you know, it's going it, to, he essentially confirmed that it's going to be one of those guys. It's going to be Kachuk or it's going to be Shabbat. Um, 
And the logic that he used was, you know, give them a, another year with no pressure before giving them, you know, that C. But there's going to be more pressure on the team next year, for one, because the, the, the expectations are going to be higher. Um, and two, if you're going to give it to Shabbat, you have him signed for eight years. Just give it to him now. He's played over 200 games. There's not going to be that much of a difference. If anything, it's going to be tougher to be captain next year than it's going to be to be captain this year. Uh, so for me, I think it's going to be Brady. Uh, again, I'm not a fly on the wall in the Ottawa senators organization or in their locker room. Uh, but logically it just makes sense to me that what, if, and when they get a long-term extension done for Brady Kachuk, it'll probably be done within the sense of giving him the C at the same time, or who knows, maybe that's just kind of a carrot they're dangling in front of him. And once they get him signed long-term, they still give it to Thomas Shabbat. Uh, I think giving it to Brady is more likely at this point, but who knows? Yeah. I think it makes like, at this point, I feel like you said, it makes more sense to give it to Brady at this point. Cause he said or Shabbat's already signed long-term. Uh, what's, what's the whole double piece to get the C and Kachuk again, he, I feel like he's more, Shabbat's probably the best player on the team, but I feel like Kachuk's probably more of the heart soul kind of guy. And I feel like he probably he probably stands out to me more as a captain than than Thomas Shabbat. I feel like Thomas Shabbat is quiet. Um, I would say, well, not quiet, but I feel like he more, does more of his game. His game does more of his talking, whereas Brady, you know, I can he's always he's always involved in something. He's always you know talking back to the refs. Always in in the scrums. You know, he's always ready to step in for his teammates. And I I do wonder. If they're holding back that seed as part of a negotiation tactic to, you know, like, hey, if you sign long term, here's a seed right here. We don't have one yet. Um, but I, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen like tomorrow. I don't think it's going to happen even before the season starts. It'll probably be, you know, it depends on when the season starts, when it ends. I think it'll probably be after the season ends, um, probably before the draft. Um, but, or maybe even out, I mean, even at the draft, they'll, They'll, they'll say, oh, we have a special guest to come and announce our pick, and Brady Kilchuk will come out wearing the C or something. But um, Brady's, I, Brady's not going to be an easy I, I extension. I think it will happen after the C. Yeah. Yeah, Brady's not going to be an easy no, extension. No, definitely not. He's going to be a hard one for sure. Just, just, yeah. I don't know. I mean, the fact that his brother's a Canadian market might help, but um, he's, no, he's, he's no Shabbat who was born in Quebec, you know, right, like closer to Ottawa. He's, he was born in St. Louis, so. We all know, and Ottawa's not, you know, in the wintertime, it's not exactly the greatest place to play. Do you guys know so who's, we'll who Brady Kachuk's agent also represents? That I don't know. I, 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 was, I was under the impression at first that I believe that, uh, that um, his dad was doing a lot of contract negotiations, but I, I'm wrong on that. Who is it? So, so Craig Oster is Brady's agent. He's also Brady's uncle. Uh, he is the same. But Craig Oster also represents Mark Stone, and oh. Eric Car- and Eric Carlson. Whoa. So, oh, so, have so the relation, so the relationship with the organization is not there. Uh, I don't think it's unfair to say that the Brady Kachuk and his family and his management group are not happy that Mark Stone was not an Ottawa Senator long-term. Um, that's speculation on my part. I don't know that for sure, but it just logically, it makes sense. Um, Keith Kachuk was pretty vocal in his desire to have Mark Stone signed long-term. In fact, when the senators, I don't know if you guys remember this, but when the senators were, when it was coming down to the wire with Mark Stone going into the 2019 trade deadline, Keith Kachuk publicly said, I want that Mark Stone signed so bad. Um, He wanted Mark Stone to mentor Brady and be there long-term for Brady. So 
Uh, it is not going to be uh, an easy negotiation by any stretch of the imagination, I don't think. Um, you know, the senators are probably going to want term. Um, I don't know if Brady's going to want a long-term deal. Uh, the Kachuk family has shown a willingness to bet on themselves. Matthew did it in Calgary. Uh, I think Brady is very much the same player. Um, you know, there was a conversation on Twitter the other day about what people would be willing to pay to get Brady signed for eight years. Um, and, you know, the general consensus that it was between six and seven million. And I said, you're not getting Brady signed for eight years for less than eight million dollars. Like it, you're just not. Uh, Brady's going to bet on himself. He has no reason to lock himself into that long term of a deal, especially for a cap hit like six, seven million. Um, I think if anything, we're probably going to see a contract similar to Matt's in Calgary, which I know is probably not what fans want to hear. Uh, but if you're going to get Brady signed for eight years, you're going to have to overpay, uh, at least in the short term. So it's going to be difficult. Uh, but if you had to ask me right now, I would say once that contract is signed and sealed, then Brady Kachuk's going to be the captain of the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, I feel like I don't want to get too much into Brady's contract negotiations, but I feel like this is like a must, must have contract done for the fans. If, if they can't get Brady signed long term, then there's going to be some, some, you know, the fans are already on the fence and, you know, Dadanoff kind of brought back some good faith, but if Brady does not sign long term and they somehow have to move him, that's not going to sit well with the fans at all. So, if I was the Ottawa Senators, I'd be like, all right, what do you want? Type thing. Like, here's what do we need to get it done? And, you know, just focus on getting him signed, even if it's making, you know, like trading away a couple of picks to get some more star players. Like, whatever needs to be done, I feel like Brady needs to get signed. Just like show, you know, they already have Shabbat locked up long term. They already have Colin White locked up long term, but Kachuk, I feel. Like he's gonna be the deal breaker going forward. If if Malnick wants to like, regain the, the the faith of the fans, Kachuk needs to be under contract long term. Even even if it's a two year like a two year deal won't do it because we all know how those work out. You know, Mark Stone used to resign for one year and the next year he was gone. It was just time time to buy 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 contract. But I feel like like we get, what he has one year he has one year one year left, I believe. But anyways, that's the they need to get him signed and when he. Science is going to be capping. I agree with you there, Brendan. Or with that being said, let's move on to the next topic. Another uh, another bit of a rumor is um, I don't remember where I found it, but um, there was tweets. It's not necessarily it's not necessarily a credible rumor, but it just it's chit chat on Twitter, right? And I feel um, uh, it was mentioned that uh, the be interesting to see if the Ottawa Senators pursued either Alex Galchenyuk or Andreas Athanasiu, and I find it kind of a little. Um, silly because on the last podcast, um, I talked about Alex Galchenyuk and Derek, the guy, the guest at that time, um, had mentioned Andres Athanasiu, and uh, since then a lot more people have been talking about it. And I feel that um, maybe great guys to bring in as a low risk, high reward type situation, just like Duclair was when he brought him in. He was just a piece of the 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 um, Ryan Zingle trade, and he's turned out to be really good for Senators. I feel this is going to be a similar situation. But instead of trading for them, it's going to be a free agency signing. What do you think? Yeah, it, it depends on contract structure, right? Like if you're talking about a guy like a fantasy, then um, then you probably don't want it being a longer term deal. Um, I think if anything, that's a guy you probably bring in for maybe a couple years. Um, see if he's a fit. Uh, Ottawa does need. Um, well, there's a reasonable argument to be made that they need a, another center. So Athenasio could be a fit there. 
as far as Galchenyuk goes, maybe. Um, again, it would be a reclamation project style player. My thing is, though, um, that's a guy who you're bringing in, probably play the left wing. Um, could they use the support there? Yeah. Uh, but you've got Kachuk there. Um, Alex Formanton's probably going to make a significant push there. You got Nick Paul there. You've got Philip Schlopik there. You got Rudy Balsters that can play there. I don't know how much of a need there is uh, on the left wing. You know, the door's not closed on Anthony Duclair yet either. So Anthony Duclair could be back to play that left wing spot as well. Um, I would probably rather you bring a Duclair back um, than a Galchenyuk. Again, dependent on value, of course. Uh, but that's my feeling on it. Like for me, like if you're bringing Duclair back, you're probably playing in the neighborhood of $3 million a year, three to 4 million. I would rather play, pay three to 4 million for Anthony Duclair than pay three, four, or even 5 million for Alex Galchenyuk. That's just my feeling on it. Yeah. I, I know last episode, I kind of agreed with the Alex Galchenyuk move and I, I, I think it'd be okay if it's a, you know, like a one-year, one-mill kind of come to the team, fill a roster spot, show us what you got type thing. Because I, if he, he, if you look look at his point totals, he he has performed well in the NHL. I don't know if he's a like he's not going to come to the Ottawa Center and make a significant difference. Like he's not going to come in and be a thirty, you know, 25, 30 goal scorer. But I feel like he could contribute, and he's going to be betting on himself and comes to the Ottawa Center. He's going to get a lot of ice time, specifically more than any other team that could probably sign him. Um, and as for Athens CU, I. I would, I, out of the, the two, I'd rather have Athena CU just because I think he fills a, a, a role that the Senators need more than Galchenyuk. And I I mean, his speed is something else. So I feel like that would definitely help with the sense there. But it would all have to make sense contract wise. I don't want Athena CU for four or five years. I, two years would probably be the max I would go on him. Um, but I, I agree with Brad. I'd rather have Declare come back um, for whatever, uh, you know, two years, three million. If they're going to save that money for Declare, then. Maybe that's what they're waiting for. Maybe they're waiting to see where Declare signs, and then maybe that's why they haven't made a move yet because they want to keep that money there for them. But uh, I feel like Declare would probably contribute more to the auto to the Ottawa Senators than both those players. But out of the two we talked about, Athens see would be the guy I'd go after for right, right term. Obviously, the term the term is more important than the money. I think at this point, but um, yeah, two years would be the max I'd go for either of those players. To be honest. Yeah, that's a good point, and I'll. I'll... When you bring in, if you bring in either Galchenyuk or Athanasiu, I'd only do it if you don't bring Duclair back. I definitely think the Ottawa Senators are still trying to bring Duclair back, and I think it'd be great to bring him back because he is a great part of the team. He was a um, big part of the locker room. He was um, a very important player, important person in their team, and seeing him walk away from nothing sucks. And um, I think the Senators are definitely trying to bring him back. But I believe that an Alex Galchenyuk or Athanasiu would be just like a, a backup plan if he doesn't come back, you know, I think he's definitely going to be that second line left winger behind uh pretty good Chuck and all that. And um, I think that's just going to go on there. And um, the only way for me, if you bring where either of those players is don't bring Duclair. In. And then if you bring those guys in, it'd be just a one year, one or two year, one or $2 million contract as the reclamation. Cause both of those guys haven't necessarily had the best the last couple of years. After the CU came off a 30 goal year a couple of years ago, but ever since he, uh, if I remember correctly last year, he was, who was behind Rasmus Ristolainen? He was the highest when it comes to plus minus. He was the lowest. He like he had the biggest minus in the entire league. I think it was, which obviously isn't the isn't the best stuff to go by. But if you're if you're one of the worst for plus minus, kind of says something. 
Yeah, I mean, you can look into that not too much because he did, he did play for the Detroit Red Wings most of the season, and we all know how terrible they were. But uh, I do think Athanasiu still has potential. I think he still has some skill. Um, just his speed alone would definitely be more valuable than Alex Galchenyuk. Um, obviously, Edmonton traded for, you know, they traded two second-round picks for him. So, clearly, they think, I mean, Edmonton's made some weird trades. So, I don't know if they really <laughs> necessarily think that he was worth that much. But the fact that they let him walk also screams a red flag. So, uh, we'll, we'll see there. But, anyways, that's <laughs> all I have for that. All right. Um, I'm going to switch it up to um, now that's it for drama. Let's talk a little, a little bit Timmy Stutzla. So um, it was released um, at some point last week that Stutzla had a, uh, had gone had a, had a arm injury instead of either a broken arm or a uh, or a sprained wrist. I don't remember exactly. I'm pretty sure it was a sprained wrist or something like that. Or fresh, fractured wrist. wrist. Fractured. Yeah, broken wrist. Fractured. Yeah, wrist. No, not not his wrist. Sorry, his hand. He fractured his oh, left hand. hand. Okay, yeah, he fractured his hand and uh, he needed to go under surgery, and. Either yesterday or day before, at some point, it was a couple of days ago where he did go through that surgery, and now he'll be out for six to eight weeks, and he should be back for development camp. Yeah, um, hand is certainly preferable to arm, uh, just based on the size of the break. It's far better to break a hand than an arm. Uh, it doesn't seem to be an injury that's going to hinder him long term at all. Uh, surgery went well. Uh, whether or not he plays at the World Juniors, I don't know. Um, that's going to be something that's up to the organization, obviously, and, uh, whether they'll, you know, there's a good argument to be made for either side, but regardless of what happens, um, you know, I think right now the best bet is probably that the NHL will open camp at the beginning of the new year and the season will start in February. Uh, so yeah, more than enough time to get ready. Um, he'll be good to go for the start of the, for the start of his first NHL season. Yeah, not to, to, to spend too much time on it, but I believe it was his non-shooting hand too, so I don't think it's like that big of a, you know, like it's, like, it, like Brandon says, I would rather a hand than an arm. So sounds like he's healing fine. Uh, I wish him a speedy recovery, but uh, I think he'll be okay. He's 18, he'll recover. Um, everything, everything's, he should be good to go for this season, so. Oh, yeah, he'll be okay, but it definitely sucks that he's losing out on time to play uh, with uh, Mannheim. I'm not sure. Not sure. They're play, are they playing right now or are they developed camera? I'm not too sure. Their season starts in November, so they're uh, they're just pretty much in camp right now. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, their first games, I think, are scheduled for mid-November. Um, so, he, you know, six to eight weeks for a kid who's, you know, 18, 19, it's not a big deal. Not oh. a big deal at all. It's not worth stressing about. Um you know, it's the kind of, I think, minor injury that athletes would get surgery for all the time, you know, after a playoff run or whatever. Better that it happens now um, than in February or March while he's playing in Ottawa. So, you know, it, it's small potatoes. It's it's honestly, it's it's not even worth, it's not worth worrying about at all. Yeah, no, no it's for sure. I agree. It, it's, it's not the big deal. It's not going to, not going to um, um, hurt him development wise. It just, it's sometimes... My only my only thing is it sucks that he's gonna miss six to eight weeks in general. It sucks that he's hurt in general. You know that's all there is to it. <laughs> all right, let's go back to uh, let's go to the next topic, which I'm gonna be handing over to um, to uh, Brennan because Alex and I honestly don't know the most on. So we'll be talking about Eugene Melnick. Yeah, um, I touched on it briefly earlier, but he gave uh, an interview to the Financial Post. 
Um, you know, it was a lot about logistics of, you know, getting a COVID-19 vaccine out and um, what's going to happen from a pharmaceutical perspective, just because of his experience in that industry. As far as the Ottawa Senators go, um, he did say that he expects them to win a Stanley Cup within the next four years, which was pretty interesting. Uh, I think that was the most innocuous part, the most uh, eye-popping part for me anyway. Um, there was a commitment for to spend some money, as there often is with Eugene Melnick. Um, I think, you know, the commitment is, you know, this is 2021 supposed to be the first year of unparalleled success. Right. So, uh, so I believe it was, um, just reaffirming that commitment to, I think this was going to be one year, another year where the senators, senators are a little tighter on money, according to Eugene Melnick, and then they'll start breaking the bank next year. Uh, but the Stanley cup and within four years part is really interesting. Um, would I expect that to happen? I would probably say no. Uh, you know, just, we know how hard it is to win. You think about it four years from now, how experienced is Brady Kachuk going to be? How experienced is Thomas Shabbat going to be? Uh, Batherson Brown, those guys, Stutzla, uh, they have their goaltender in Matt Murray, but uh, four years seems optimistic to me. Uh, I think that's really the only part worth talking about. Um, I don't know how much more you guys have to add to it, but uh, I think I, that that was the part that caught my eye. And uh, again, do I see it happening? No, not within four years. Um, maybe not even within 10 years, to tell you the truth. Uh, we've seen some really good teams that looked like they were primed to win, just not get it done. Like how long did it take Alex Ovechkin to win a cup? You know, um, we've seen some amazing Senators teams that didn't get it done. 2003, 2006, 2007, um, even 2017, that was a team that looked like nobody was going to stop them and they got stopped. So you never know, but uh, four years seems a, a, like a bit of a reach to me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, the Stanley Cup's not an easy trophy to win. So, But I do appreciate the optimism by Eugene there, but uh, four years is a bit of a stretch. I mean, we think about it, Sanderson's just going to be finishing university at that point if, if he does a full, full four years, um, which I doubt he will. But, you know, like it's just, it's just, just to kind of put it in perspective, like the, the four years is – not long at all. It's gonna it's gonna come come and go pretty quick. I correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, but I did also read that he did say there was gonna be a new arena within five years or something like yeah. that. Yeah, oh yeah, that was the other thing. Um it sounded like it was gonna be in Canada again. So I mean, I don't understand the point of that. Like the you know, Canadian Tire Center is not an outdated rink. Um, the views are great. Like it's one of the in seating wise, it's one of the best rinks in the NHL. You can sit wherever you want, uh, and you can have you know, an amazing view of the ice. I've sat at the very top, like in the nosebleeds and you have a great view of the action. So, um, but yeah, um, you know, we, we don't know if there's any substance to that. I think it's the first anybody's hearing about it. Uh, the, the appetite among fans and I think among the city as well is certainly to have a downtown arena, but you know, um, I don't really know how much, what to say about it because you know, it, again, it's the first we're hearing about it. There's no real details. It's in Canada, supposedly. So uh, I, I don't know. I do have a question for you, though. Um, do, do you know the context behind why the interview happened in the first place? Was it just a random interview or like was there a reason behind it? Um, well, they, they it seemed like the, uh, oh, geez, I'm blanking on the writer's name. I feel so bad because I hate when people do that. But uh but yeah, um, he did want his perspective on COVID-19 and logistics of getting a vaccine out. Um, again, because Melnick, it, 
you know, formerly of BioVail, worked in in the pharmaceutical industry and in pharmaceutical distribution. So uh, it is it was a valuable perspective to have. He actually did have some interesting things to say about the logistics of the pandemic itself and of and of getting a vaccine distributed to the masses. Joe O'Connor, thank you for the. Um, Joe O'Connor was the guy who wrote the article. Uh, but of course, anytime you're talking to Eugene Melnick, you're going to talk hockey too, right? Like that's what he's known for now. Um, so I think that was, uh, I think that was the main reason behind it was wanting to get his, a pharmaceutical perspective on things, but you know, the senators are a hot button topic these days. So you're always going to ask Eugene Melnick about the sense if you're talking to him. Yeah. I haven't read the article exactly. I mean, I've read a bit of it, but I, I, I did read that he also had a like 121 page plan or something for but not necessarily the 112. 112. It, and yeah, it is for the sensors for their oh. rebuild. Oh, well, it was their 112 page rebuild plan. Yep. I thought it was, I thought it was just for like everything in general on how to, you know, wiggle through COVID, but the 112 plan rebuild page or 112 page rebuild plan kind of stood out to me too. It's like, Oh, well maybe like, like I said, they do it. They do have a plan in place and they're not just saying it. So we'll see if he puts his money where his mouth is, but. I feel it was definitely um, an interesting interview for sure. I pieced through it really quickly a little while ago, like a couple days ago, and I'm piecing through it again as you guys are talking. And um, it's definitely interesting that this that this interview um, talks about both hockey and COVID. It's definitely interesting. It um, it brings Melnick's both. Um, but call them expertises because he has he has an, uh, experience in both. He ran um, Bioville for a while before that shut down in 2009, 2010, or whatever it was, and uh, he now owns a hockey team. And it's um, quite interesting that um, that um, the timing of this, in my opinion, is really interesting. That um, right after the draft, that there there's talking about a 112-page document of the rebuild. My question is, who on earth made this document? Was it him or was it Dorian? I believe in Dorian. I don't know, but I'd kill to get my hands on it. Yeah, I would, yeah, honestly, I would love to see that. Like, that is insane. I would, I would imagine it probably like like the whole hockey outbreak has probably sat down with them and kind of worked out a plan and stuff like that. But um, the article is actually really, really well written. So really? shout out to Joe Connor there. It's actually a really good read if you guys want to go read it. Uh, Jacob, you can probably put the link in the. Yeah, I'll try to put the link in the description. But it's a, it's a really good read. Yeah. Another, uh, another thing is a little side note is um, what are we going to call this plan? Because the Toronto, the Toronto Maple Leafs have the Shanna plan. The, the Tempe Lightning had the Iser plan. What do we call this? Do we call it the Melnick plan? Do we call it the Dorian plan? What do we call it? 112-page rebuild plan. That's what I would call it. Maybe it's I, the, I have more of a catch name than that, though. Maybe it's based on primarily on scouting, and it's the man plan. The there you go. Plan. I'd rather that. I like that. the man plan. That's the man plan. plan. If, if, if I'm going to trust anybody that are in the organization right now, it's Trent Man. So yeah. that's fair. <laughs> and but, but on that note, I'm not. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not knocking Dorian at all. Dorian's been a great general manager, giving me the uh, difficult uh, situations he had to deal with over the past few years. He's. He came in. He 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 came in the, the NHL as a scout. He became an assistant manager. He, he inherited Brian Murray's team, and that's not necessarily a, 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 a easy task to overcome. He had big shoes to fill, and I feel he's done so far. He's sure he's had his questionable moves, 
like the Alex Burroughs trade, the initial uh, um, um, Matthew Shane. Okay, I'm going to cut you off right there. The Alex Burrow trade actually worked out really well for him at the end. John, like the Jonathan Dow, I don't even know where Jonathan Dow is anymore. He's in the Sharks. He's in the Sharks. Prospect. It still sucks to be lost to a really big prospect for a guy who played what half the season. Yeah, but I don't know if Dolan's considered a big prospect anymore, is he? Like, I, I could oh, be completely wrong, but but I thought he, like I don't even know if the Sharks signed him to an extension. I think they just let him walk. Like I'm not sure. I I could be completely wrong on that. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to get ripped apart in the comments, but. Looking it up now, let's see. Um, he is currently playing um, with um, Team Ram IK. Probably butchered that team name of Hockey Elsveskin. And um, he was rated as a top prospect, so I don't know if he is anymore. Let's see here. Um, Brandon, what's your take on it? Yeah, go right ahead. Tell me your take on this, please. Um, oh, on the Burroughs trade? Um, yeah. Didn't love it at the time. Uh but it's aged well. Uh, Dallin hasn't been able to put it together. Uh, he's still young, so maybe he will. It, it could just be a situation where he wasn't a fit in Vancouver and needed a fresh start. But, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, again, um, I was never a fan of it uh, at the time. Wasn't a fan of it in hindsight. I think it's more of a situation where the Senators have been the beneficiaries of some good luck. Um yeah, I don't really know how much to read into it in that. And Burroughs wasn't a great player for Ottawa. He wasn't really impactful on the playoff run that they made. I think they actually started playing better after he got hurt. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, that's just my yeah, two cents. Little... Yeah, that's fair. So he's, he's either an RFA or UFA right now because he's not he's not under contract at the moment, but I don't remember if uh, San Jose qualified or not. That's the thing. Anyway, we can continue. We don't need to go. That was like three years ago. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's something that yeah. – I definitely feel that Dorian has had a lot of the um, um, controversial moves, but he's also had really great moves too. Like that, the initial Matthew Shane trade didn't look great at the time. Uh, the second one looked a lot better in my opinion. We got good assets, but like, I feel we, my, my one criticism of the, uh, the Matthew Shane saga is, is we paid more for him to, and then we got back for him. And I feel in his time in Ottawa, he definitely raised his stock in my opinion. And I think, I think there's a chance we could have got more. But it's not the end of the day because we got we did get a lot of pieces at the end of the at the end of the day, so it's okay in my books. But yeah, another uh, another um, another one is I don't really another thing is about I didn't really like how Pierre Dorian uh, dealt with the um, um, uh, Guy Boucher situation because a couple days before he got fired before Boucher got fired, Dorian did say his job was safe till at least the end of the season, and just a few days later he was let go. I'm not re- I'm not a really big fan of how that went down. Sure, it was the right move to do, but I'm not too sure how, um, if I'm a fan of how it happened, you know? But that's that's my criticism on Dorian. He's, in my opinion, he's had great moves. He's had not so great moves. And that's all from me on that. Yeah, uh, the Boucher thing, I mean, you know, I, I've said a lot about this, especially because it was so long ago now. But, uh, but yeah, um, you know, did I believe that Guy Boucher needed to be fired? Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, don't say the guy – don't tell the guy that he's got till the end of the year or tell the media that he's got till the end of the year and then gas him. That makes me think that it wasn't Dorian's decision to fire him. Uh, but, yeah, you know, that's ancient history by now. Yeah, that's fair. I feel it uh, wasn't necessarily his plan to fire him right away. I think his plan was to move on from the end of the offseason. The first yeah, year was a great first year, but it didn't last very well. And um, it happened. 
And um, fun fact here, I was at I was at Guy Boucher's last game as a senator. I was sitting right behind the bench. It was a, it was a great time. Cool. Uh, we I know we need to wrap this up here, so I'm just going to touch on this really quickly. Uh, yeah, I mean, every GM has made some questionable moves, and I think it's kind of you know, say Dorian is kind of just getting into it. The, the team that he wants is kind of building it right now. So before the before I give my full judgment on if he's done a good job, I'm going to wait to see how this team pans out. Obviously, you had to deal with you know the Carlson and Stone situations, but he's kind of building the team that he wants now. He's kind of the Brian Murray team's kind of gone. And he that he inherited, and that was all his team. So I'm gonna wait a bit before I judge on how he's how how, how he's handling this one. But I know we need to wrap it up soon, so I wanted to touch on that real quick. Before I wrap things up, I'll I'll, I'll ask you guys, who uh, did you did you know that Ryan Murray, who was acquired by from the New Jersey Devils for the exact same price that we acquired Eric Branson for a 2021 first, a fifth round pick in 2021. Yeah. Uh... I mean, uh, I don't know. Like, there's so many things that go on behind the scenes. It, it really is apples to oranges so much of the time. Like, you know, there are people who are upset that they're paying Eric Branson the money that they didn't want to pay Anthony Duclair, um, supposedly. So, but again, you know, do they need, what do they need more? A right-handed defenseman or, or a left winger? Um, you know, they need they need a, right wing, a right-handed defenseman. So, yeah, you know, again, apples to oranges. Yeah, that's, that was... Uh, yeah, I'm gonna touch on that real quick. Again, we don't like we again we don't know what's happening in the landscape. Like maybe the asking price for Ryan Murray at the time was a third round pick, and then when Branson got moved, they had to lower it to a fifth. So there's a lot there's a lot going on that we don't you know that we don't know what, what's happening. We could easily say, oh, they could have got Ryan Murray for a fifth, but maybe when Dorian inquired, maybe he didn't inquire at all because he does have an injury history. Um, and I feel like the Branson probably fits the mold anyways better than Ryan Murray just by his experience. So again, we don't know. We don't, we, we kind of don't know how those talks went and you know Dorian could have called me like oh we have for a third and then he's like okay well I'll get a good Brenton for a fifth and then the comments was kind of tied I don't know but yeah. it's too hard to jump, jump to conclusions they're pretty much not that big of a deal but yeah you never know what happened behind the doors and on that note I'm going to uh wrap things up here I want to thank uh Brandon for coming along I want to thank Alex for coming along like always I want to thank you guys the time you took to listen to this podcast uh and it's uh Love the support. And again, I want to thank Brandon again, once again, for coming aboard. It's, it's always great to have um, um, great guests on, on the podcast and uh, having you on the podcast was great. Yeah. Thank you for having me guys. It was fun. Um, give, your, give yourself before we go, plug all, plug all your stuff right here before I end it off. Go right ahead. Yeah. So at Brandon Mackey underscore on Twitter, uh, you can find the writing at silver seven And the podcast is called internal budget new episodes every week. So make sure to check it out. Awesome. Thanks again, Brandon. Once again for coming and uh, I'm going to drop some Twitters now. Uh, the, our podcast Twitter is at some sense. My Twitter is, is at Jacob Lervier. Alex's Twitter is at Alex Longwa 15. And Brandon's Twitter, once again, I'll mention again, is at Brandon Mackey underscore. I will link all these Twitters in the description so it's not too hard for you guys to find it. But with that being said, that is all from us today. I want to thank you guys so much for hopping along the podcast and see you next week.